Welcome in to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, where we find the best tools to build the best players. On this episode, we have Ian McDonald. Ian is currently the recruiting coordinator at the University of Charleston. In this episode, we get into um, you know in-depth conversations on re- the recruiting process, what he's looking for. Um, he has his own website. It's CoachIanMcDonald.com. Great resource for those out there who are in the recruiting process right now and want to know what what he's looking for at at University of Charleston when it comes to recruiting from uh, makeup, statistics, actual metrics when it comes to exit velocity and throwing. And it's just a, a great resource, so I can't recommend it enough. I'll make sure to, to put the website in the show notes. And, you know, we get into uh, you know what they do at the University of Charleston when it comes to player development. They have a uh, not just a varsity, but a JV team too, it, because at the Division Two level, you know, you're you don't have some of the limits that Division One has. So, from a player development side, you can get a little bit more creative. They have eight coaches on staff, so there's it's it's a great setup. Um, they do an incredible job there, University of Charleston, year in year out. Even though they, they've had a bunch of turnover with some great coaches and people affiliated with the. Uh, with the college, have moved on to professional baseball, they've still been able to consistently put out a, a great product. So I really appreciate Ian coming on. And if you haven't, make sure to go subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes. So that way you don't miss out on any episodes. You know, we've been able to have some incredible guests on. And, um, you know, again, it's been a lot of fun. So I appreciate those of you who, who do listen. And if you could go and share it, that'd be incredible too. So here is the episode with Ian McDonald. All right, we now welcome on Ian McDonald, who is the recruiting coordinator, University of Charleston. Ian, thanks for coming on today. Patrick, thanks for having me on, and and uh, I feel a little bit underqualified to be a podcast guest with you, but um, I appreciate the opportunity. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Now, this is uh, I'm excited for this one because you're. You're at a, a program really that is I it's not really, I would say, overlooked in the sense of people in inside of baseball, but maybe people who are baseball fans but don't know a, a ton about college baseball. I think they they may overlook and not really understand just how good your guys' program has been for for several years. Um, and you know, another thing is I have also been you know, researching you and your own journey and in, in coaching. And it's, it's been really cool to see your, you getting better and better as a coach. And I will, we'll get into some of the, the resources that you've put out online, which is I, I, that your, your website, I think it's, is it coach Ian I believe uh, incredible website that we'll make sure to put out. But um, if you could just give everyone a little bit of, of your own background, and your own coach coaching journey. I know you haven't been doing it for very long, but just judging by some of the content you you put out, I mean, you, you could get away with saying you've been doing it for 10 or 15 years. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, um, born and raised in central Pennsylvania. Um, so right outside Harrisburg, um, two incredibly supportive parents. And I think from a baseball standpoint, uh, had a chance to play for, for a handful of coaches just growing up at the youth and in high school levels at, had impact on me. Um, I think one of the coolest things as part of my coaching journey that you mentioned is um, I've actually got a coach with two of the coaches that coached me as a player. Um, mm. so, so obviously getting the experience to play for them and then 
to kind of serve as their assistant and, and learn as much as I could in the, in the time that I was with them. Um, it's been a, been a pretty cool experience. I, I, uh, I, I played college baseball at Geneva College, um, small private Christian university right outside Pittsburgh. Um, it was a great experience. I, I played for Coach Alan Sumner um, and pitching coach-wise with, with Bill Ackerman and um, I think I, I, I thought I wanted a coach Patrick, but I think just, you know, playing for those guys, especially at the college level, it, it made me want to coach. I think it gave me the clarity I needed to really pursue a career in it. Um, met my best friends, you know, guys that, um, you know, I've, I've stayed in touch with ever since we, we graduated from college. And I, uh, I tried sales and marketing out for a year and a half after college. And, uh, I think the skills I learned in business, it absolutely applies to what I'm doing now. Um, I do think I figured out pretty quickly the whole nine to five, maybe, you know, selling something I'm, I'm not as passionate about, um, you know, it's something I, I didn't necessarily want to do for the rest of my life. But I think working alongside, you know, the salespeople in the company I was at, uh, working underneath the leadership that was at the top of, of our organization, like it was an unbelievable experience. And um, so kind of fast forward how I got into baseball, I guess, coaching wise, I, I, uh, during college, I coached Carmen Fusco. Um, so he's a baseball lifer and, uh, he's worked at all levels of the game, high school, college, professionally is in, in scouting. And then even in the front office. And I, I worked for him for three summers in college. Um, so, so that's how I kind of got started. I loved every bit of it. And then even when I was working sales and marketing after college, um, I was just doing coaching instruction part-time where I was working at part-time with Matt Diesel, who runs the Steel City Select organization in Pittsburgh, um, had a chance to, to jump on him with full-time role, uh, work full-time in his facility doing instruction, um, then obviously with, with his teams as well, doing operations. So budgeting, um, helping our kids through the recruiting process, um, and obviously coaching a team. And and that was a really valuable year and a half, two years. Um, you know, after that, I, I got involved as, as a volunteer at Grove City College, a Division three school in Pittsburgh. I had a chance to work for Matt Royer, um, who's an amazing teacher of the game. Kyle Sasala, who's an assistant there. He's a recruiting guy, one of the best recruiters I've had a chance to build a relationship with. And um, fast forward, uh, I guess, January 2019, Patrick, I, I went to the ABCA convention and uh, I met Coach Andrew Wright and uh, I had known a couple of his assistants just without recruiting. You know, we, we met each other. I've followed what they've been doing from abroad for a couple of years. Um, it was kind of a, a wild experience. Like, obviously, you, I'm sure you've been there. ABCA, I mean, they got 7,000 coaches. And, and I saw Andrew all four days of the convention. Like, I don't know if it was uh, like meant to be. If Destiny. it was like, yes. yeah, I'm not sure what it was. But, you know, we had a handful of, of really – um, you know, kind of deep conversations. And, uh, you know, we got back and, and uh, on Tuesday, Andrew had reached out to me and he asked if, you know, he had a volunteer spot open, if I could make it work financially, if I was interested in the opportunity. And, um, you know, I, I, I interviewed with him and, and the staff and he, uh, he offered the job on Friday after the convention. I, I accepted the job Saturday, packed up my truck, moved here on Sunday, and practice started Monday. So it was a little bit of a whirlwind. Um, but, you know, the, the six months that I spent working under Andrew before he got hired by the Yankees, it was, it was an unbelievable experience. Um, we, we, we ran out of office space. So I was actually sharing an office with Andrew. So kind of behind the scenes of 
what's it like to, to fundraise, what's it like to make scholarship decisions, what's it like to recruit, what's it like to develop practice plans. Like, yeah, you had a front row seat. And uh, that coaching staff is pretty cool to be a part of. Ryan Hunt, um, who, who was who was one of our infield hitting guys, he got hired by the Yankees. Um, Dylan Mazzo, who was our hitting coach, he got hired by the Angels. Seth Nadell, who worked in kind of the player development, more stats analytics, he got hired by the Orioles. So it's like – uh, that coaching staff just, you know, I think it was the right place at the right time. And, um, you know, I, I was really just in a support role for those guys. Uh, I was working with our red shirts specifically in our program and um, it was a really valuable experience. Kind of fast forward, we, we, uh, the players, they go on, win 41 games. We make it all the way to Super Regional. All these guys get hired out, kind of changing the guard from a, a coaching staff standpoint. It, at that point, Patrick, I, mean, I was just a volunteer. So I kind of expected at that time that I have to go find another job because whoever they hire next, he's going to bring his own set of guys. Um, and, and then Dr. Stevens, she was incredibly thorough, detailed, included us on the hiring process, the staff that was left. And, um, you know, Coach Coach Britt, uh, he, he came in, he hit the ground running. And, and um, you know, when he got hired, uh, I was really fortunate that he asked me to stay on staff. Um, and I actually, I came on as a graduate assistant. So uh, it was a little nerve wracking financially taking, making the move, volunteer, just camp money. Um, but then obviously the, the GAs, they, they do a really good, great job supporting us in that regard here at, at the University of Charleston. And um, it's been about a year and a half now working for Robbie. It's, it's been awesome. Um, you know, he, he's definitely, he invests in our coaching staff. Uh, he challenges us. He holds us accountable. Um, and then actually I graduated with my MBA in December. Um, I actually just started another graduate program to, to pursue a master's of strategic leadership. So, um, I'm committing kind of here another year and a half with, uh, with Robbie. And, and I think it's just a testament to, to, to my, I think, how much I believe in, in him and, and, and what he's building here. And, and uh, I think that the love for, for our players, I think just a chance to get a now spend going, going on year three with them. Um, you know, you, you see how some of these guys are involved in the recruiting process and here they're sophomores, juniors, like it's been a really valuable process. So um, that's kind of, that's uh, that's a story of how I got to where I'm at, Patrick, kind of start to the present day. Yeah, and I, I mean, going back to you know when you took that leap to to be the volunteer, I I love that story. I'm sure that I can't imagine that the nerves you probably had, you know, getting the phone call and then packing everything up and then starting practice on Monday. Just going back to you talk about Andrew and you saw firsthand what it was really like to be a college coach with fundraising and practice plans. I mean, what what really stuck out to you as to like what it takes to be a, a good college coach, just learning under Andrew in that first just six months you're with him? Sure. Um, I think the st the thing that stands out to me, Patrick, as far as uh, with with Andrew, right? He was an incredible listener. Um, you know, he was engaged, and uh, you know, he could really just bring out. Uh, he could develop a level of trust so that, so that you could be honest with him. And then I, I think in addition to being a great listener, he asked unbelievable questions. Um, sometimes questions that were really hard to answer. And uh, I think that kind of the combination of, of being a great listener, asking great questions, like that's something as a young coach, I'm trying to develop my ability in each of those two things. But, but I think Andrew, what he did 
Um, I mean, he, you know, he was, he showed that in action and it's something that we talked about a lot, you know, just, just him and I, but I think that's the thing I appreciate most about him. So now you're full-time, I mean, you're recruiting coordinator. So full-time you're doing recruiting. I know you also help out with the pitching too. Take me through what that's, what that job is like, because at most schools, like division one, like they don't have just someone who's solely recruiting, but division two, as you mentioned earlier, you guys have that ability to, to not be limited by the amount of staff you have on hand. Sure. Yeah. It's been an amazing experience, Patrick, like the, the, the structure of our staff, and this is even what the structure Andrew had and now Robbie, um, the structure that Robbie has, but, but we, I mean, we have eight coaches on staff, um, which it, uh, I think it's unbelievable in the fact that it allows us to really concentrate and specialize in what we were hired to do. Um, I think it's challenging just because there's so many moving parts. There's so many different people. We all have different perspectives and experiences and opinions for how things should be done. I think it's a testament to Coach Britt and, and how he leads us as a, co- as a coaching staff. Um, you, you know, I, I think for, for me and specific to my role, um, you know, my role is to really uh, collect the information that our coaching staff needs in order to make informed decisions specific to evaluation and specific to recruiting. So, so that's my role. That's um, I think what, what I'm held, um, you know, to a, to a level of like what I'm evaluated upon is just based off my ability to recruit. Um, and obviously, you know, once, once I'm, I'm here in person, as far as practices, I mean, working with the pitching staff, but, I think, uh, you know, Coach Britt reminds me pretty regularly. He says, you're most valuable to this organization when you're not here, <laughs> like when you're on the road and you're watching guys. So uh, I think it, it's uh, – you know, I'm thankful. I think that the University of Charleston, I mean, Dr. Stevens, our athletic department, and they, they enable us to do the, the best job we can possibly do. And I'm talking from a resources standpoint. And, and um, you know, I think for, for, for us – really like like what we focus on within our coaching staff patrick is um, in order to 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 not just build upon the success that we've experienced but sustain the success that we're experiencing like we got to recruit at a really high level and we got to develop the players that we recruit right so i think like the the evaluation recruiting the player development piece like it, it goes side by side and i think you know what we're trying to do is really piece those two things together and figure out how can we bring, bring the best players we can possibly bring in our program? That's going to be a right fit for what we're trying to build. And then once they're here, what do we need to do from an investment standpoint for the four years that they're here to make sure that, that we're putting our guys in a position where they can compete at the highest level possible? Yeah, and, and I mentioned earlier that you you have a, a website, CoachIanMcDonald.com, where you – I mean – really this is one of the uh, maybe the best recruiting website that I've ever seen because what you go th- what you do is you go through and talk about each part of the game really you talk about philosophy tools and skills position position players breaking down you know what exactly you're looking for what a typical day looks like when they're on campus makeup questions that you ask recruits I think it's fantastic I've been on it this morning just getting ready for this podcast. And one of the things that stuck out to me, which I think is really important, is one of the questions you ask uh, recruits is, how many travel teams have you played for since you were 13? Of the teams you left, why did you leave? 
which I thought was fantastic just because I, I, I do see that and hear that all the time. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, obviously there, there's always going to be a reason for, for why a kid would move on from an organization and, and sometimes it's justified, but um, I, I, and I'm not even saying it's a red flag, uh, but it's something we're going to take a deeper look into if he's played for four organizations in four years, right? Like that's just, um, uh, that's that's the reality of it. I think it's less about them playing for multiple organizations. I think it's even us is we want we want to figure out why did they leave the organizations they left and why did they join the organizations that they joined? And I think that can tell us a lot about, OK, like what's important to them in the, the, the next team that they join, which is at the University of Charleston. So I think for us, it's, um, you know, going along with trying to ask better questions like that's that's what we're trying to do in recruiting as well. Um, and I think you know, there, there's not always right or wrong answers specific to the questions we ask. I think a lot of it is how are they answering the questions that we ask, right? And I think for that, we're really trying to dig deeper in a lot of those regards and try to identify the things within the players that, that we want to recruit. I know we, we can't go through uh, just bullet point by bullet point of your website and talk about every single thing that you evaluate because, again – and I can't emphasize enough, like people need to go on there and check it out because you literally break down every single element of what you're looking for in a recruit and, and the questions you ask and they should ask. And I think it's just, again, it's fantastic. But when you're out recruiting, one of the things I saw was, you know, you like to watch two to three games of position players and then you'll put them in your, in like the top 50 portal. And then you'll, uh, then you'll break that down even further. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, sure. No. Um, so, so I think, you know, what you're referring to, Patrick, is that we have a, we have a, a tool here. It's called the average of the top 50%. And um, Coach Wright, you know, he, he came up with this. I, I don't take any credit for, for, for the, you know, the, how we came up with it. But um, essentially what it is, is it's, it's a way for us to evaluate a player's tools. Um, so um, specific with the average of the top 50%, what Patrick, let's just say we're, we're taking a look at um, an infielder. So, you know, we're evaluating 60 time, exit velo, arm strength, like that's what we'll be able to objectively measure. So what we do as far as like, I think evaluation of amateur players, it comes down to evaluating their tools, it's evaluating their skills. So it's like their tools are just measures of athleticism. The skills are kind of how well they can use their tools to competitively play the game. So um, what we do is, is average at the top 50%, position by position, outfielders, infielders, catchers. Um, you know, we find, okay, if we just say we have um, eight infielders in our program, and let's just use a specific metric of arm strength. So um, what we'll do is, is, you know, we have arm strength measurement as far as velocity across the infield, and um, we have eight different you know, pieces of data because we have eight infielders in our program. So, um, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to chop off really the bottom four um, in that arm velo, and then we're just going to take the average of the top four. So, uh, you know, specific for us, like what we then come up with is the average of our top 50%, really the top 25% of the players we have in our program, arm strength for an infielder is going to be 87 miles per hour across, right? So, like, then for us, what we can do with the average of the top 50%, when we're talking with coaches or we're going to evaluate players in a showcase setting, we know specific, okay, like relative to what's within our program. 
Um, what's the top 25% arm strength at that position? What's the top 25 exit below? What's the top 25 run speed or, or, or 60 time? So then that enables us to really go out and um, I don't think tools make you a great player. I think, you know, great players have tools. There's no, there's no doubt about it, but uh, I think for us, it really helps us get a, a, a get objective measurement of, you know, like, are we improving? So I think the average of the top 50%, we track year over year. So like we see if overall the average top 25% arm strength, is it getting better over the last five years? Exit velo, is it getting better? 60 time, is it getting better? So then we just have green and red. Green, it got better. Red, it went down. Um, and, and I think, you know, that, that for us, it evaluates not only just our ability to recruit, because like we're trying to recruit players with the current tools that are in our average top 25%. And, and most of them, they won't be, right? Like they'll be a tick below or, or they might, we at least want them to be in, in kind of that middle 50% where even if they're not top 25, they're not going to be the bottom 25. We're trying to kind of raise the floor, increase the amount of depth. Um, but I think what that allows us to do is it, it measures recruiting and it measures development, right? Because I mean, we're testing the same guys over four years. Hopefully, they're increasing each of their measurables. Um, so, so that's that's really the average of the top 25%, uh, uh, average of the top 50%. And what we're trying to do is, is find really the average of the top 25. So. So when you're when you're at recruiting, I assume it's going to be way easier, especially when you're talking about uh, numbers and statistics to look at junior college players than high school players, because I mean, they're going to have more more you're going to have more access to data. And, you know, that data is probably a little bit more reliable than than just a showcase. Right. Yeah, I mean, there is no doubt about it. Um, I think for every program and us included, Patrick, I mean, junior college recruiting is it's going to play an important role. And uh, I think for us, like we're going to try to build the program around high school guys, but inherent, I mean, every year, I mean, you're going to bring in a group of junior college kids that are try really filling the gaps of the four-year recruiting cycle, right? Um, so I think there, there's no doubt about it. I think specific, um, you know, for us, like you know, what what we're looking at um, from an offense player standpoint is, is we value ISO. Uh, we, we value how much they strike out from pitcher standpoint. Um, you know, we're looking at walks per nine innings, strikeouts per nine innings. Like those are the things that we can, uh, we really put a lot of value on. And we have some, some tools here where we can kind of help sift through specific to the junior college class, the players that are available. And, um, and uh, I think for us, it's, it, it definitely plays a piece in what we're trying to do. And, and it's, it's an important part of our recruiting. Going back to what you're talking about before with um, the tool and, and making sure that, you know, they're increasing over time. How do you, how do you measure that with a high school player? I mean, is that just going to be just watching them from showcases and seeing over time, if their batting practice velocity is getting better, or are you able to get access to TrackMan, or is it just from camps when they come see you guys? Yeah. You know, I think, um, Showcase settings, uh, you know, track man, rap soda reports, whatever they have access to, like, no doubt like that, that plays a part in our decision. Um, but for us, you know, Patrick, I mean, we're, we're not going to make decisions unless um, we can see the player with our own eyes playing the game. And I think going back to like, you know, we try to see position players two to three games at minimum. I mean, there's guys that we saw this fall that we saw them five or six times before we made a decision. Um, you know, and obviously from pitcher standpoint, like obviously at minimum, we got to see him in person once. We want to see him twice if possible, just a little bit harder because, you know, they might pitch once a weekend. 
Um, you know, so I think for us, it's, it's balancing the, the tools that they have and, and really their skills. And I think in a perfect world, um, like you can marry the two together because I think ultimately every player's got tools and skills, right? But some players have more tools and skills. Some guys have more skills than tools. Um, I, I think we have an appreciation for guys who can play to play the game, guys who have good instincts and, and they, they've been coached well, like, um, you know, sometimes we'll gamble a little bit on the tool standpoint. And I typically find like when we're, when we're in division two level, like we got the luxury where we don't have the roster limit. So, so any given year we're at 46, 48 guys. So wow. there's guys that we'll take in each recruiting class that these guys are further off than some of the other kids in the class, but maybe they have like, they can really play the game. They're just starting to, to grow into their body. Um, you know, they're just unbelievable kids. They got great academics. Like, like we can take a shot on a few of those kids a year. Right. Um, so, so I think we're always balancing the tools and skills component. And, um, but I think ultimately what gets us excited is when we go out, we watch a player and he can play the game at a really high level. And I think sometimes tools, it can, uh, it, it can blur the evaluation, right? Like I think you can fall in love with, this is what this kid's physically capable of, but, you know, their physical capabilities, that doesn't help us win baseball games. Like they got to be able to, to play within that skill set, right? So that's something that's always going through our mind and, and something that we're trying to evaluate really both tools and skills and see how they marry with one another. Is there anything maybe you over or underlooked when looking at a recruit? And I, I asked this because, hey, first of all, recruiting and scouting is really hard. I mean, it is really hard for those who haven't done it before. It's not easy. And, you know, I, for me personally, I've, I've just watched kids develop before. And I've said like, that kid's not going to do anything. Like I can just, from his body, his type, before you know it, I mean, completely proved me wrong. He's going to play college baseball somewhere. And then the opposite has happened too. Like, oh, this kid's, he's going to, he's, this is a stud. He's going to pan out, no doubt about it. And it doesn't work out. Are there signs like, have, have, is that a, has that happened to you yet? Where it's like, it's a can't miss guy. Like I know this guy's going to come in and hit right away and he doesn't and then maybe you retrace and look back and figure out why he actually didn't like there was some issue that you maybe overlooked sure has that happened yet yeah you know i think this is an interesting time now patrick where it's like going into to, to really year number three in coaching right so it's like some of these kids i've seen as freshmen now they're juniors right and, and next next year they'll be seniors so like um I think one of the things we're always talking about as a staff, um, there's always going to be a certain level of unpredictability with the decisions we make. Like we won't, we won't go a hundred percent. I mean, we probably won't even go 50%, right? Like the reality is, is, is evaluation recruiting is incredibly hard to do. I think what we're trying to do is constantly learn from our mistakes, um, constantly learn from the successes that we have. And, I think the hardest part is like a young coach and a young recruiter. Um, you look at some of the greatest scouts in the game and a lot of these guys have been in the game 20, 30, 40 years. So they have like a recall of I've seen that before, or I get that impression from that kid. Whereas as a young coach, I'm trying to expedite that recall and that experience, but it takes time. Um, I think something even just from year zero to year three, how I really see the importance of it more than ever before. And it's just, because of working with these kids, um, I think a makeup component, it's, and really just evaluating their personality. Um, 
it is so incredibly hard to do. And, and I think like, like tools are tools, objective measurements are objective measurements. You can tell the guys from a play the game. Um, but like, I think what we're in the process of, it's, it's not necessarily just collecting all the talent we can, but it's, it's making intentional decisions one by one to, to build a team. So it's like, they gotta be a really talented player, but they also, um, they gotta have the characteristics and the character traits um, that's gonna put them in a position to be successful. So like, you know, what we evaluate from a makeup standpoint, Patrick, is um, like we try to recruit um, the characteristics that we want our current players to have. Like we want to we want to identify behaviors and actions that would, that would lead us to believe they have these things. So specific to what we're looking for is uh, we're looking for preparedness. Um, we're looking for respect and engagement and discipline and selflessness and excellence. And like if we can get at it where, where we're identifying kids that have sure, they might not go six for six as far as what they have. But they have a really strong foundation. Then we think that, OK, they've got physical ability. You know, they've they've got the work ethic, the life experience, really the makeup of the kid that we think he's just going to continue to develop and grow and progress, not just as a baseball player, but as, as a student, as a person. Like those are the guys that we're going to take shots on. So I think when I first started out, um, I, I think my the evaluation of a player was just blurred by his physical ability. Uh, whereas I think for now, I'm we're, like, you know, we're, and, and this is a lot from what I've learned from Robbie, but it's got it's, there's got to be more factors than just their ability to play the game. So I think for for, for me and, and what I maybe overlooked or undervalued when I first started out, it was evaluating everything off the field and uh, obviously evaluating that with what we're seeing in game or on the field. How do you evaluate everything off of the field when you have limited time to really talk to that player because you're on to someone else too. I mean, you said you guys almost has 50 players on your team. You're recruiting all the time. I can't even imagine how many emails and messages you're getting on, on potential players. So how do you make sure that you're bringing someone into the program that is going to fit your guys' culture? Sure. Um, I don't know necessarily if, there, if there's a formula, Patrick, and I wish there was. And if, if, uh, if there is, hopefully we'll be able to identify it soon. But, I think for us, um, you know, we're, I think the biggest thing we're looking for in a high school kid, Patrick, is like, do their words, um, do their aspirations, their ambitions, what they want out of their careers, what they want out of their lives. Like, does that align with their behaviors? So like what the decisions that they're making, how they're living their lives. And I think like, that's the biggest thing that attracts us to kids. Like if, if we 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 we, we talk to a kid and, and he says, I want to pursue a career in professional baseball, and we ask him how he's doing it, right? And and he you know, he talks about his coaches, the kind of impact that they've had. He talks about what kind of a day in the life looks like, like like how he's working toward that goal. Like that's what we want to see. So I think all the things we just mentioned, like we look for behaviors that reflect those specific characteristics or their character traits and the and the things that we consider to be important. Um, so. And unfortunately, I think there's there's always going to be an element of, of surprise. And, and I think sometimes when we pause the surprise, we're like, maybe, maybe this kid's more put together than we thought he was. And that likewise, there's going to be, you know, surprises uh, reverse where it's, um, man, there's things we missed. And um, I think for us, like we want a process that we can continue to go back to. And I think that was really what inspired um, us as a coaching staff, creating our system for evaluation and recruiting. 
Um, we want to talk with people who are engaged in, in, in that kid's life. And I'm talking, um, obviously, first and foremost, build a relationship with the kid, but then also just a relationship with the family, high school coaches, travel coaches, private instructors, um, coaches from organizations that that player's left or maybe moved on from. Like we're going to every single time we recruit a kid, we're going to try to figure out as much information, collect as much information as we can prioritize, okay, what's the information that's going to drive our decision? Um, and obviously just, I think, trust our guts, our intuition, trust our preparation, the work we put in from an evaluation standpoint, saying um, we're going to make the best possible decision we can with the information that we have. How, how many messages do you get um, about potential recruits on a daily basis? I, I'm telling you, I mean, between email and direct message and text message, I mean, we get quite a bit. And um, I think, you know, the the leads that we trust the most, Patrick, I mean, it's coming from people who we trust. Um, and typically a lot of it just comes from coaches that we've recruited their players in the past. Uh, there's some level of, of trust. Um, and I think that's built through honesty. It's like, that's really important to us, but like we're identifying kids in, in so many different ways. I mean, if I'm just looking at our 2021 class, um, and obviously it was a different year in the landscape of college recruiting, but we have 10 guys signed. Um, five came from the same organization in Ohio, right? Like, and again, it's, it wasn't, I mean, they were really good players, but it's like we could trust the information that we're getting, especially during a time where all the evaluation we're doing is in a remote digital setting, right? So um, I think relationships are a big piece, but then other kids in the class, um, I think two of them came from them emailing us. Um, and then one of the kids who emailed us came to camp, really just showed out, like um, obviously had, gave us a chance to get to know him. Um, one of the kids that we have signed, one of our outfielders, I, I saw him on accident this fall. I, mean, I was there to watch a different player. This kid goes out, hits two doubles opposite field, and we're just like, I mean, this this kid could play. And I saw him for, for the next two weekends, and that's how we found him. I mean, there's there's guys that we were on literally since the first contact was, was um, you know, junior year with some, and, and first contact for others was fall of senior year. You know, so I think the um, we're, we're identifying, we're finding guys so many different ways. I, I think – um, you know, we're, we're not a program where we're receiving thousands or hundreds of messages a day, but I think, um, you know, for us, I mean, we, we definitely just with the, where the program's at, Patrick, I and mean, we have, we can choose from a lot of different kids. And that's something that, that I think we're incredibly fortunate about. And truthfully, it's a luxury um, that, that we can sort through a lot of different guys and figure out who are the guys that we want part of our program. What's your take on high school kids tagging college coaches on social media. Is that, I mean, a good idea, a bad idea. I see it all the time. I, uh, I respect the hustle, right? Like I respect <laughs> the creativity. Um, if I was in their shoes, you know, would I do that? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm does it help? I mean, now it's 16, 17 year old kids. I don't know if it necessarily bothers me, but, I know other coaches, maybe they, they take it a different way. And um, I think that, like the best thing you can do is just get as much video as you possibly can. Like I know for us, like typically if, if we're at least just interested in following a guy or we're actively recruiting them, I mean, we're following them on social media. So 
Um, it'll probably show up in our newsfeed in, in some capacity, depending on how much time we spend there. But uh, if if I was advising a kid, I'd say maybe look for some other ways than just tagging a, a coach on social media. But again, like the inner marketing guy in, in me, like respect, because <laughs> that's where the coach's attention's at. Like it's on social media. There's a higher likelihood that they're going to read a notification than read an email, regardless of what they tell you. So I, uh, I don't know if I, if I'm really, I don't have conviction one way or another, but um, that's how I kind of answer that. Is, is there anything that recruits out there shouldn't do like specifically? Like I know that could be like, yeah, maybe, yeah, or no, that could get on, you know, I mean, some people may like that. Like you said, you kind of like the hustle a little bit, but other coaches may not. Is there anything should, that should be a no, no? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, obviously there's, I think every, coach that they recruit differently and uh, pet peeves are, are, are different for every coach. Um, I think what they shouldn't do, um, I think specific to emailing coaches, which is obviously a big part of college recruiting. I don't think you should just copy and paste and just send one generic email. I think you should put some thought, some effort uh, into the email that you're sending. Um, I would say that's something that uh, I think a, a potential mistake they could make um, I guess going on the pet peeve, like especially with with online recruiting services or PBR Perfect Game, like put your contact information in in the profiles. Um, you know, I, I listen. Families are a part of the kids that we recruit, but you know, if if I text or call a kid and I can't get a hold of the kid because it's like mom or dad's the gatekeeper, I mean that that can be frustrating. And sometimes we're just we're not even going to pursue it. Um, you know, so I think that's a mistake that they could make and. Um, I think other than that, like, I'm not sure if it's necessarily a mistake, but like, we just encourage kids. Like, we just want you to be honest with us. Like if, if it's not the right fit, like we want to know that, uh, if it's, there is a right fit, we're going to be ecstatic. But like, just, um, I think sometimes, you know, mistake players can make is they just tell the coaches what they think the coaches want to hear. Um, at the end of the day, uh, you know, different things are important, important in different levels of different people. It's like, we want to figure out what's most important to you. Like, like not just what you think you want us to hear, but like you individually, um, you know, what's most important to you. So I think those are probably the three words of, of wisdom as far as mistakes potentially they could make. I would definitely agree that players can be people pleasers at a lot of different times on the field, you know, when we're doing different, things or uh, drills or whatnot and uh, you know even even when it comes to recruiting too have is it is it common to come across kids who only care about the d1 thing and like yeah like charleston that's d2 like i really want i prefer i want to play the d1 even though i think we all know at this point it really doesn't matter if you can play if you can if you can play you can play i mean if the goal is professional baseball it literally it doesn't matter you got to play for anyone to, to know about you. I mean, do you come across that? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing, and maybe it's a little bit humbling for us, Patrick, but, but I don't think many kids across the country grow up and dream of playing for the University of Charleston, right? Yeah. Like, like we understand that. We get that. Um, you know, I, as a player, put myself in, in their shoes, and it wasn't too long ago. It's like you want to play at the highest level you can play at. I get it. I have respect for it. Um, I think what we're trying to do, I think specific to the D1 Division II conversation, um, you know, we're trying to create a Division I experience at the Division II level. And top to bottom, it starts with how we recruit these kids. Um, and I think it's once they get here, what their experience is going to be like. 
Um, you know, I encourage kids to, to consider every opportunity, irregardless, independent of level classification division. I think if uh, you're viewing Division One opportunities as Division One opportunities, D2 is D2, D3 is D3, I think you can make a really bad decision. Um, I think the guys that, that we, we recruit, um, I think they have a level of maturity. I think they have a level of perspective um, that, okay, like I'm going to get, I'm going to go here. And it might not be that Division One I always dreamed of. And even in a handful of cases, the Division One opportunities these kids had. But for me and what I know I need to get out of my college experience, and I'm talking from an education, um, obviously the playing, uh, you know, the, the baseball side, and even just their development as a person, like they need to make the decision based on that. So I think that the guys that we recruit, the guys that we commit, um, like we shoot for the stars, right? Like I think the term is you shoot for the stars, land for the moon. Like we'll start off with the, we'll cast the big net at the start. Like the guys that we're trying to talk to early, we consider them to have division one ability, right? But I think, um, you know, this fit, it, it can be the right fit for, for division one caliber players. And I think it, every guy des- decides on the University of Charleston for a different reason. But, um, you know, I, I think that would, that's our, that, the advice that we give to kids, just view every opportunity independent of level division classification. Switching gears now and just talking a little about the, the player development realm at Charleston. I mean, it would take me through what's that like with 50 guys and trying to, trying to get 50 guys developed and better to help out the program because, yeah, I mean, I, I get you guys have eight coaches, but uh, I mean, it's not like you have multiple fields and, you know, 20 cages and things like that. So how do you make sure that all these guys are, are getting developed? No doubt. Um, I would say first, Patrick, we're, we're fortunate with um, the resources that we have access to the facilities that, that, that we call home and, and the people, as far as our coaching staff. And I think that, the people, the resources, facilities, like that's what impacts development. Um, I think for us, uh, a lot of division twos are in a very similar situation where they got to carry 46, 48, 50 guys. Um, we, we can't do really anything about that. That's what we're going to have to do. Uh, but I do think that we can have a strong impact on their experience once they're here. Um, and, and what we try to do is, as, as a program is we try to create opportunity for every single player, regardless of if they're number one or if they're number 48 or if they're number 50, like we want to make sure they have opportunity. So um, as far as player development, how our roster size impacts it, um, something where it's, you know, it was a vision and coach, right. And, and coach Britt, he's just built and continue to grow it. But uh, we have a development team uh, in addition to our varsity team. So like we have one roster, if we have 48 guys, it's 48 guys, but specific to it, We'll play a varsity schedule of 50 games. We'll play a JV or development schedule of usually 20 plus games any given year. So uh, then, and that's something that's unique to division two. I think division three, NAIA, like JUCO, like they can do those things too. Um, so what that enables us to do, and really I think the, the impact that has on player development is you can come play for a program that's going to compete year in, year out for championships, whether the conference, regional, super regional level. That's going to be a part of it. But then you can also come here um, and, and you can play. And I'm not going to say it's going to be at the varsity level your freshman year. We don't promise playing time, but there's going to be opportunities at the varsity level. There's going to be opportunities at the junior varsity level. Um, so, like, you're going to come here and play. And then we're going to help you get placed for summer ball, summer of your freshman year. So, you're going to go out and play more. Um, 
I think a big part of player development is the environment that you create. I think having a larger roster size enables us to create a more competitive environment. Like, I think if you, if you came here, Patrick, and asked the players within our program, um, I think they would be, they would be happy that they're part of the program that they're at. And even if we have 48, 50 guys, because our pitching staff, who's incredibly talented, they're competing against our hitters who are incredibly talented. So like iron sharpens iron, like those guys compete against one another, they make each other better. So um, I think that's on the individual opportunity side, you know, again, like, okay, working within the confines of we're going to have to have 48, 50 players. Uh, what can we do for those kids? We do have a big coaching staff and we have eight coaches on staff. So even if you have 48 players, you got eight coaches. Well, the amount of, if you do like a ratio of coach to player, um, I mean, we're able to invest hours with our kids in a, in a very small group or individual level. Um, so I think it's something where, you know, we can't really control the circumstances of it. We have to carry a bigger roster size, but I think we can create an experience conducive to every single player becoming the best player they can be. Um, not just with the facilities, the resources that we give our guys access to, I think the coaching staff, and then obviously the playing opportunities. Yeah, when you when you were talking there about competition and iron sharpens iron, it made me uh, reflect to that Nick Saban video I saw on Twitter of, of recruits. You know, I love listening to football coaches talk. They always get me ready to run through a wall. Um, but yeah, I mean, when it comes to the, the JV schedule, who do they go out and play? I mean, is it other D two teams? Because I think I've heard of a few NAI teams doing something similar too. Yeah, I mean, we'll. Uh... We'll play anybody and, and everybody, you know, who's willing to show up to the yard with a couple of gloves and bats. Like, I mean, we'll, we'll play division two teams. We play division three teams. We play junior college teams. Um, obviously again, division one, that's just within the confines of work, the work and within on the roster size or the numbers or opportunity to have a JV team. So, um, you know, obviously we, we do a fair share of inner squads. Like even right now, Patrick, I mean, we're, we're inner squatting two days a week, Saturday, Sunday, our guys competing against our guys. But then um, obviously I think an important part of it is creating opportunities for these guys to play outside competition. And, you know, it's just something where I mean, we've, we've allocated our resources accordingly of, of we really want to build a strong development JV schedule. And I think not only does that impact the experience of, of the players within our program right now, like, you know, they, they come here, they have the opportunity to play, but I think what that does for us for two, three, four years down the line, um, like that, those experiences are invaluable. And then coupled with obviously their opportunities to go play out, go out and play in the summer. Um, I mean, I think it impacts the sustainable success of our program as well. So that's why we've we put so much effort into it. Obviously, invest a significant amount of resources um, in developing a schedule, and obviously investing in travel and facilities and. Uh, but I think it's something where, where we think it's 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 going to pay off big time in the long run. That's fantastic. And I, I'm a big proponent of that. I think that's it makes sense if you can do it, if you're allowed to do it. Uh, no, no reason why not to, to take advantage of that. Um, is there anything else you'd want to to say to the audience or, you know, it could be again, I know I'm going to put your website, Coachy McDonald dot com the link on the show notes page because i again I, I just i think everyone should take a look at that if they're you know have someone who's interested in being recruiting being recruited someday or in that process now but is there anything else you'd want to say to the audience sure um you know i guess if you're as far as on the topic of, of the website patrick i mean 
I think my worst fear is uh, I present the information on that website as uh, this is how evaluation happens. This is how recruiting happens. Like, um, I think the purpose of the website, it's, it's threefold. It was, it was a place that um, I could go to and, and document my thoughts and what I'm learning and how I'm growing as an evaluator and recruiter. Um, I wanted to create a space where I could share uh, what I'm learning with other people. And then I, I wanted to create a place where, where it could serve as a platform to connect uh, me with others who are willing to share informations and resources and experiences. So um, I think if, if your viewers do go to the website, obviously I'd, I'd be incredibly humbled by that, but I think you just please view it in that regard. You know, there's a reason why it's not blog posts with a specific date. Like it's just a catalog of these are the topics. This is information within the topics so that we can, you know, as our organization as our coaching staff individually, as I learn more, I can go back and, and edit and add to subtract from uh, those specific categories. So, uh, but, but I thank you for, for the opportunity to come on the show. This was this was awesome. And I've been uh, listening to your show for a while now and had the opportunity to come on and, and talk a little bit of evaluation and recruiting and player development, University of Charleston baseball. I'm incredibly thankful uh, for the opportunity. Now, I appreciate your time. Man. I know, I mean, you're going to school, you're a recruiting coordinator. I mean, you're probably putting in 8,800 hours a week easy. So I appreciate your time, Ian. And again, we'll be following along this uh, this spring. Awesome. Thanks, Patrick.